0: An obedient life of a Christian is spent in service to the Lord, but the Bible speaks several times about the rest that comes from being yoked or connected with Jesus Christ. But how then do you reconcile the two? Welcome to A Walk in the Word, where we bring you the Sunday sermons from Providence Baptist Church Gaston's worship services. In this week's sermon, Pastor John Friedrich helps us understand what the meaning behind this terminology is and how it applies to our daily lives. Let's join in as Pastor Friedrich re- preaches a message entitled, The Rest of the Story, from Hebrews chapter four.
1: Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord with you guys this morning as we open up his word and see what he has to say to us. So if you would follow along as we read the first five verses of Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews four. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that they heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world." For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to come and gather and worship you and praise you and to lift your name in praise and song. And Lord, we just ask now as we begin to enter into your word, we just ask that you help us to prepare our hearts and our minds, help us to be receptive to those truths that you want us to walk out of fear with today. And Lord, I know I'm not worthy to be the one to present the word to these folks that have gathered here today. I just ask that you take me and use me as your instrument. Take away anything that could in any way interfere with the message, Lord. Pride, selfishness, distraction, whatever whatever it might be, Lord. Just take it away. Fill me with your spirit that I might only speak the words that you've laid upon my heart. And Lord, as a church, continue to lead, guide, direct all our decisions, that we might always be in accordance with your purposes and your will, that we might fulfill the role that you have ordained us to, Lord. Lord, as individuals, help us to understand and recognize the signs that we're seeing right now and understand that our time is short to reach out to those that are still lost in this dying world that we live in today. Help us to see opportunities to spread your gospel, to share your love, that others might come to know you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, we ask that you forgive us of the times that we've sinned against you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen anybody who studied the book of Hebrews knows that it can be arguably some one of the more difficult books <coughs> to uh, decipher <coughs> it's uh, a, a book that has got a plethora, a ton of information Uh, for us, a ton of lessons for us, as always is the case with the scriptures. Um, And ironically enough, it is also chock full of verses that those who want to counter the Bible are constantly pointing to as being contradictory, and in some cases being twisted to push heretical beliefs, um, such as the ability to lose your salvation, things like that. Um, But one of the topics that Paul really tries to stress and drive home in this book is the concept of rest. Alright, now we all see Sunday as a day of rest, or hopefully so. Uh, after all, the Bible seems says to keep holy the Sabbath and we are to labor six days of the week and to rest on the seventh. But this speaks for the most part of a physical style of rest, a physical type of rest. It indicates to us that we should take leave from our normal tasks of the week in order that we might enjoy time together in church family to worship God, to focus on God, and to, to spend time with our core families as well. In fact, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's a part of our covenant that we are to leave this place on Sunday and after having lunch go directly to our beds to take a nap. I'm not sure where you'll find that written, but however, I, I, I adhere very firmly to that. I mean, after all, that's how we interpret rest, right? In all seriousness, though, the Bible uses the term rest in many different aspects. Uh, Variation meanings are many, but at the core, the underlying source of that rest is ultimately the same. And the source of that rest is Jesus Christ. You know, it's him who gives us rest, regardless of how we might apply the term in our lives. Now, in our verses this morning, the chapter begins with a warning, actually. A warning that was based on Israel's failure in the wilderness. They had heard the message, the gospel, or the good news that Caleb and Joshua brought about the land that was promised to them. But they did not profit from that because it was not combined with faith. The good news was not combined with faith. And to understand what kind of faith is necessary to benefit From the rest that Jesus provides, we've got to understand that it is belief combined with a complete and wholehearted trust. So this morning we're going to take a look at some of the ways that Jesus gives us rest. How how does this word apply? How is that Jesus gives us rest in aspects outside of just a simple physical rest and how it applies in our day-to-day lives? And the first one that we're going to look at this morning is that he gives us a rest from burdens. Rest from burdens. Okay, we all know this very well, well read and well understood uh, verse that we see in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Now when we hear this verse, it invokes an image of a man that is literally crouching under a very heavy load, a tremendous load. This is the imagery that is invoked when we look at the language behind this. He knows that this is something unavoidable. And yet the sheer burden of it is literally driving him down to his knees. Well, this is exactly the case in what this verse means as well we are all born into this world with a burden we are born into this world with a burden that is unavoidable it is a burden that carries with it a tremendous weight and it is also a burden that ultimately should drive us to our knees and that is the burden of sin and the guilt associated with that now we may labor to do good we labor in an effort to find ways that we might please God. We labor in trying to maybe determine some ceremony, some religious practice, some what doctrinal beliefs that might reach us or give us that leg up that we need in order to find our way into heaven. But what Jesus tells us in this verse right here is that to find that spot of relief that place of relief, that place of rest, to reach that realm of pause with regard to our daily struggles, we need only to look to him. We simply come to him, and in him we will find the rest for the endless burden of sin in our lives. I mean, think about it. Anybody who recognizes that we have a problem with sin in our lives and doesn't look to Jesus Christ as the only source of relief from that will spend all manner of efforts trying to find ways to appease their guilt and assuage their mind that they might find rest from that burden that they carry day to day. I've got to do so much good. I've got to do this. I've got to go to church. I've got to uh, uh, find all these different ways to try to make God happy. But the reality of it is the only rest that we get from that mindset is recognizing that Jesus is the only source of it. He is the only source of rest that we can find. We find the freedom from the shackles of our rebellion and our disobedience. We can find rest in knowing that we ultimately are forgiven. And we have an advocate that is going to testify on our behalf before God the Father. And we also know that we will live for all eternity in the presence of our loving and merciful Father. This is the rest that we have to overcome the burden of sin that we live with. When you look around in this world, you'll see all of those who are lost. And we consider for a moment how they live their lives and how they can see that there is no rest from that. They work feverishly all their adult lives constantly striving to find perhaps success in large bank accounts or material goods and thinking that is going to appease them and give them peace only to leave every single bit of it behind when they die. I think that is ultimately the definition of futility. To strive, to work, to labor all your life, only to have to leave it behind. It's pointless. Yet those who have come to Jesus Christ have found rest from all of that striving. Knowing that there is here a temporal, a temporary existence. And all the things that we earn, all the things that we make here are temporary. But we also understand that the rewards that come from service to the Lord, the eternal rewards that are stored up in heaven for us, await us. And that we will be able to enjoy them forever. we understand that the striving, the constant effort, the constant trying to appease our our consciences is futile unless that comes from Jesus Christ himself. He is the only one who can grant us peace and give us that peace and rest in those circumstances. Next we also can find rest in Christian service. And then when we look at Matthew eleven twenty nine, it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. Now Christ shifts gears here a little bit. And now he's referring to his yoke. In the previous verse, Christ said it was for us to put away the worldly burdens, sins, struggling to justify oneself through our work. Now he says, take on his yoke. To take his yoke upon ourselves. And he is referring in here, here to Christian service. To serving him in this lifetime. Now we automatically assume that when we think service, we think work, we think, oh my goodness, now it's just another, another form of striving here, another form of working here. How can that could possibly be restful? But we have to look at it from a different perspective here. Some may say this is somewhat peculiar. How do we find work from, arrest, rest from working for somebody else? Well, consider for a second the nature of the work and for whom it is that we toil. You ever gone to work? Those of you who, who work and have a boss. You ever gone to work and the boss was not in a good mood that day? they're in one of those moods that it does not matter what you do there is simply no pleasing them perhaps it's the point even where you don't even know where you stand with them and you're not sure if you need to pack your stuff up and get ready to walk to the gate prepare your resume even perhaps you see it's in those circumstances where we feel like no matter how hard we try it'll never be enough. We'll always feel like it's just insufficient. The efforts that we make are just simply not enough. You don't know whether what you're doing is right and he's just not picking up on it or are we actually doing wrong? This isn't the case with the Lord's service though. When we work for the Lord Jesus Christ we are in the service of the Lord. It is obvious whether what we are doing Is right or wrong. I mean, after all, we've got our directions right in God's Word. With Him, it's in black and white, or sometimes red, I guess. We know we are pleasing Him when we are working, when we are striving in His will. Now, what's more is, think about this from this perspective, too. How many of us can say, without a doubt, that what we are doing in our day-to-day jobs here on earth will have any eternal consequences? How many of us can say that what we're doing right now is making an impact that will have eternal consequences? Do you think anybody, a hundred years from now, is going to even know who I was, where I work? 50 years, 10 years even. Given that I'm likely to retire in around 6 years, I doubt that 7 or 8 years most people would even remember who I was. But when we labor... When we labor for God, the God of all creation, when we are doing the Lord's work, we can find comfort, we can find peace, we can find, yes, rest in knowing that when we are fulfilling the will of God, we are participating in a plan that will result in lives being impacted for all eternity. That's something to shoot for. That is something to strive for. That is something to to think about and say, yes, although God gets the glory from it, I know that he has used me for something that has eternal consequences. Another layer to this rest is rest in God's provision. Now we're in a, a tough time economically right now things are not in a good way inflation is at record levels the economy looks like it might even be taking a nosedive later on next year and while unemployment is good now we're starting to see slowdowns in certain economic factors people are struggling struggling to make ends meet even those who are in fairly secure jobs re-evaluating their financial situations looking for ways to cut back perhaps even making contingency plans to a certain extent this is just being wise and good stewards but there are those who constantly are in a state of concern and worry about all of this but you know what the Lord has told us don't do that the Lord has said not to worry Look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 26. It says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat in the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Consider this for a second. Consider all of the animals. Out there, does God not provide a means for them to survive? And yet, who has given He given domain over the animals to mankind? He has given mankind domain over the animals. And given that, given that priority, and given that we are created in the very image of God, does He do you not think that God is going to provide for your most basic needs? Now, it's important to understand a distinction here. God provides for our needs, not necessarily our wants. Okay? We may want this, but we only need this. God has promised our basic needs. Now, I want to make it put a little caveat there. While God does provide for the animals, he doesn't throw the worms in the the bird's nest. The bird still has to go out and get it. So while we bear a certain responsibility to do what God has called us to do, he will still provide for us. And in that, we can find rest. I mean, think about it. The Bible tells us how many of us can add one cubit to our stature by worrying. How are you going to change circumstances? How are you going to change the outcome of something simply by worrying? And you know what worrying usually indicates? Is a lack of trust. When we worry about something, when we show that, oh my goodness, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I've got to worry, I've got to to be concerned, I've got to let it occupy my every thought. You know what we're saying to God? God, I don't trust how this is going to shake out. I don't trust that you are going to make this work out to my good, even though the Bible says explicitly that all things work together for good of those who trust and love the Lord. so why do we worry now it may not be a bed of roses but God said it's going to be for our good we may not maintain the same living standards we had before we may not end up having the same things we had before but God said that he would care for our most basic needs and in that we can find rest because there's what we want, and there's what God is going to give us. And we've got to be of the mindset that be content with whatever it is that God provides. The next form of rest that we can find through Jesus Christ is rest and death. Now I know that many unbelievers have referenced death as the eternal sleep They try to give it some sort of peaceful connotation to appease themselves, but the reality of it is there is a great fear of death amongst most people. Surveys show that that is something that people are worried about, particularly as they get older. And they worry about what lies beyond. The uncertainty of the afterlife weighs upon these individuals like a ball and chain. Why do you think these these, these shows and these movies that come out about the afterlife or the, the after, or near-death experiences are people are just eating those up. They want to know what's afterwards what's, and while the validity of those are certainly a lot of times in question <clears throat> this is something that they want to know about because of their concern. They go through their life as Uh, understanding that that this appointment is inevitable. You ever ever had a doctor's appointment that you just absolutely dreaded? Or a a meeting that you just absolutely dreaded? Or something that, you know, as that, that time got closer and closer and closer, you just got that kind of sick feeling in your stomach more and more and more? Well, this is one that has eternal implications to it. Imagine going through life, facing death, knowing that this thing is marching towards you and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And what's more is you don't ever know when it's really going to show up. And not having a peace, a confidence in what lies beyond. The anxiety begins to grow and grow and grow. But you see, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ... Don't have to worry about that. They do not have to have the least amount of concern about that, because we read in Revelation 14 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. We find rest on the other side. We find rest in our service to God on the other side. We find rest in knowing that our eternal destinies are secure in him. Now nobody wants to face the reality that there is a termination of our existence in this world. We do leave behind loved ones. We do leave behind things that we perhaps like to do. But for a Christian, what lies on the other side is so much grander, so much better. We will live and serve the Lord forever and ever and ever in a a, a means that is just unbelievable and unexplainable even. And we will find rest in that service. Rest in that presence of God always, always with us. Visibly with us. Tangibly with us. When we as believers draw our last breath, we take leave from all the work of this world. From the day-to-day toil and all that we have worked for. And then all of the rewards we've stored up in heaven are there waiting for us. How can any Christian think about the day that we walk through those pearly gates when we walk into the very presence of God behold the face of our creator and not get excited. We can rest in the knowledge that our efforts in this life when we labor for the Lord are not in vain. the last form of rest that we can take comfort in is rest in the coming judgment rest in the coming judgment that awaits us now that might seem somewhat contradictory how can we look forward to judgment how can we possibly look at a coming judgment like as if you were going to be tried in a courtroom and, and feel any comfort or rest in all of that Well, let's understand what we're talking about here. There are many courtrooms nowadays that are full of people who will walk in knowing that their particular case is a sure thing that they have got it made only to walk out wondering what went wrong. Everything about their case was in their favor in their minds. Even an objective observer would say, yeah, man, you've got it made. But the judge defied all logic, all sense of reason, and ruled in a different way. Why is that? Because we sometimes forget that judges are human. We see these cases on TV and in the lives of people we know all the time, perhaps some of us even experienced it. The judges that sit in these cases have a flaw that no matter how hard they try, no matter how impartial they try to claim to be, they will always have certain things in their life, in their background, in their sinful lives that will sway them and judge and influence their sense of judging. They are sinful creatures, and this will always taint their view to some extent. It is inescapable. But that's true of us as well. After all, it is what makes us so judgmental when it comes to other people. For if we were truly righteous in our judgment, we would never get past our own. 1 Corinthians 4 says... In verses 3 through 5, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring the light to the hidden things of the darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. There's a rather peculiar piece in this that most people kind of pass over. We're speaking of judgment, and yet we are referring to the fact that all men will have praise of God as a result. Praise of God. Why would we praise God for judgment? Well, isn't it a wonderful thing to know that none of the sinful creatures that sit on the benches of courtrooms in America and across the world today will be the final judges of our eternal fates? We have a judge who will stand, that we will stand before in that day who knows no sin, who has no bias, who cannot be influenced by influenced by life experiences or cultural background? He is righteous, and as a result, his righteous is judgment. His judgment is righteous and true. We can trust in the fact that we will be judged fairly, in every sense of the word. We can rest, we can trust in the fact that we will be judged with absolute and unwavering fairness. Now, when you think about it, perhaps that shouldn't give us such a warm and fuzzy feeling initially. Because if we are truly judged fairly, if we are truly judged righteously, we know that we will get a death sentence. For the Bible says that the wages of sin are death. So if any of us have sinned and we are judged righteously, then the only righteous judgment in that is to be condemned to eternal judgment. Eternal torment. But here's the beauty of it. Yes, that is absolutely true. We all are worthy of that judgment. But for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ... He has already paid that price for us. He has already suffered the wrath of God. Our judgment was placed on him. Our suffering was placed on him. And through our faith in Jesus Christ, though we know deep down in our hearts we are deserving of every bit of that torment, we can find rest in knowing that that bill's already been paid. That Jesus Christ has already made a way for us to avoid that eternal judgment. It's in this environment that we will truly find rest. We live our lives with the confidence of knowing that although we deserve eternal judgment we know that because of our faith in Jesus Christ we will stand before God and be welcomed into his eternal presence. We'll find rest from our labors, rest from our trials, rest from life's challenges, rest from any concern. But that's only possible if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you have acknowledged it I'm gonna tell you something Jesus Christ is already your Lord I don't care what you believe he is already Lord it's just a matter of you acknowledging it the Bible says we've got to recognize that we are a sinner recognize we have a sin problem look to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, recognizing that he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins and rose again three days later. And he too will step in on our behalf in that day of judgment and say, this one is with me. This one is one of mine. Wouldn't you want to live your life with that kind of rest? That kind of confidence? That kind of peace? why not come to him today and find exactly that let's stand as we go to the Lord in prayer Father God as we come before your throne once again this morning we thank you for all that you have done for us Lord we know we truly are not worthy of any of it we are not worthy of any good thing uh, because of our rebellion and our sinfulness, Lord, we just thank you and thank you for your mercy, for your grace. Lord, you're just a, a wonderful, long-suffering God who has shown us so many good things, has show much, showed us so much love. Uh, Lord, we just cannot begin to thank you enough. We cannot begin to praise you enough. We cannot begin to give you enough glory for, that you are deserving of. Lord, just help us to understand the need for you in our lives, understand the need for your forgiveness that we might live our lives for you that we might live our lives in service to you not looking for our own accolades not looking for our own uh, pats on the back, that rather we look for the, that you might be glorified in all of it. And Lord help us to continue to live the path that you've laid out for us, that we might show others your love, show others your mercy, and the other, in doing so we might glorify you and point them to you. And Lord, just have your will and way in all the lives that are represented here at the sound of my voice. And Lord, we love you and praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next time for another Walk in God's Word. Podcasts are available in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, CastBox, Downcast and beyond pod. Search for and subscribe to Providence Baptist Church Space Hyphen Space Gaston Sermons. Until next time, may God bless you as we await his joyful return.
1: Hi, this is John Friedrich, pastor of Providence Baptist Church. It's my prayer that our time together has helped you grow in your walk with God, or maybe He's even used it to guide you to discover the wonderful gift of salvation. If you're ever in our area, we would love for you to come worship with us. Our address is Providence Baptist Church, 977 Meadowfield Road, Gaston, South Carolina, 29053. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through our website at www.providencembcgaston.com or email us at providencenbcgaston@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us next time as we take a walk in the Word.